Be selfless in your content. Don't try to get likes. Try to give feelings. If you can get someone to feel a feeling, they're going to share it with someone else. Welcome back to Influencer Business. I'm your host, Rich Scudelari. Great to have you here today. We hope you're staying safe. Hope you're doing well. We have an awesome episode lined up for you today. We're sitting down with Daniel LaBelle, a TikTok star who has just exploded in the last 12 months. He actually started his TikTok to promote his photography business, but it has just taken off and totally consumed his life, changed the course of his career. So we're going to sit down with him, talk to him about that whole journey, the highs, the lows, and everything in between, and really dig into the person who's created his own path through funny videos and some crazy stunts. But before we get to our conversation with Daniel, whether this is your first episode or your 60th episode of Influencer Business, take two seconds, leave us that five-star rating, give us that glowing review. We certainly do appreciate it, and it always does help. With that out of the way, let's get to our conversation with Daniel. Daniel, thanks so much for joining us today on Influencer Business. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, let's start with kind of how you got started on social, right? You have blown up on TikTok. You're growing really fast on Instagram. There's, you know, videos appearing on YouTube. So tell us how kind of about how you got started, your first videos and how this came about. Yeah, well, I had been listening to Gary Vaynerchuk, who is in the like entrepreneurial world. He's kind of known as like the father of entrepreneurs. And I was listening to him talk about TikTok and yeah. he's like, you got to get on TikTok. That is where the attention is. Because he calls himself, um, he says he day trades attention. Yeah. And he said, right now, the attention is on TikTok. And so I heard that over and over again for probably like a year straight. And yeah. finally, I'm like, okay, I'll try it um, for my photography business. Yeah, That was my initial ten- intention was to get on TikTok for my photography business. And so I got on, made a couple of photography related videos, and then... One day, my wife Bailey and I were sitting in our living room and I'm like, hey, we should make like a little comedy video on what it's like to pose little kids because (laughs) I have had experiences in the past where you ask a little kid to um, like turn their head to the left or to the right and they'll do it, but like 10x what they're supposed to do it. So (laughs) their like face will completely disappear as they turn to the left or the right. Yeah. Um. And I've always enjoyed acting. So so we quickly ran upstairs and she acted as the photographer and I acted as the little kid. And, uh, and you crushed it. Was, it. <laughs> it was a goofy little video and we posted it. And in uh, the first hour, it got like 2,000 views, which it was like awesome for me. Mm-hmm. And um, then the next morning I woke up and there was 26,000 views, which is like something I've never seen in my entire life. And yeah. the comments were coming in so fast, I would um, I would refresh it. And then like 20 seconds later, it would say 99 plus comments before or <laughs> notifications. And then by the end of that day, I had 1 million views Jeez. and uh, the video. How many viral. followers did you have before? And before how many followers that, did you have 24 hours later? Yeah, I probably had maybe a couple hundred followers, if that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then it. Within the next week, probably went up to ten thousand, and uh, then um, kind of started just going up grow- further from there. And you're now you're now at over eleven million, right? On TikTok, I am over eleven million now. Yes, genius. And how long is it? When was that video first posted? That was posted in January, mm-hmm. and uh, 
Yeah. Like I said, though, that that was kind of like the catalyst that sure. told me like there's something here. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoy this. Yeah. Um, I had never experienced anything like that in my entire life. And so for yeah. me, it was very novel. Yeah. And so you just leaned into it. Yeah. Yeah. I. Um, how nervous were you for that second video after that one? You're like, how do I double down on this? <laughs> yeah. Well, there wasn't really a lot of pressure at that point because I was so small. Yeah. And people didn't like have an expectation for me yet. Sure. And so I would say there actually wasn't too much pressure that there's okay. more pressure now that I've, you know, gained a larger following and people expect a certain thing from me. But back then I didn't really think mm-hmm. about that too much. You've set the bar high. <laughs> I try. I try. <laughs> so you were doing this originally for your your photography business. And has that shifted at all now that you've gotten so much traction on TikTok and other platforms? Yes, um, it has dramatically shifted. A part of the shift happened partly because I was A, in my photography off season because it was winter and B, because of COVID. Um, Once COVID hit, we went into lockdown and uh, we were like, that was when the government said that we had to stay home. And so I just kept making TikTok videos (laughs) and uh, building a business through that. And then Mm -hmm. as things started opening up, um, I decided to make the transition pretty quickly from photography to um, TikTok and my comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so with COVID and uh, just my success with TikTok, it just created a very natural transition from TikTok to photography. Yeah, And I'm still taking photography jobs, but just a lot less of it. Yeah, um, Just taking advantage of this, what seems to be a once in a lifetime opportunity. No, that's incredible. And but it's interesting because it's not like you just showed up and were funny, right? You've actually kind of been interested in comedy and comedic skits for a while. Uh, you kind of have what I call the funny bug um, because your YouTube actually has skits dating back to two thousand nine. So it it seems like you you didn't do a ton of publishing uh, on, on the comedy side until you know kind of early 2020, late 2019, but you clearly enjoy it. So why, you know, was it just the the Gary V? Why didn't you kind of cultivate that side of yourself until recently, you know, on social media? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think this side of me has always existed. Um, it's, <laughs> Your wife can probably speak to yeah, that better you, than anybody, right? My friends and family know that it's always existed and I've always had it. Um and I used to make videos all the time in high school and college. And, um, but I would say that it was more like a fun thing that I didn't like release, um, to the world. Um, but yeah, I would say I just, after college, I just got so focused on my career that, um, I just didn't have the time and the energy to like, um, push this side of me to the world. And honestly, I think that a part of it was, um, that I was uncomfortable releasing that side as well. Like sure. it is a very vulnerable thing to do to act like as a 33 year old, to act like a five-year-old kid in front of millions of people. Yes. I mean, it's a, it's a scary thing to do. And it's something that I've struggled with um, acting like a little kid, acting like a cartoon and sending it off to, you know, millions of people. And so I think that was maybe an insecurity that I had um that I finally just this year just got over and just uh, decided I'm just going to be fully myself and 
see if the world likes it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like you've moved beyond that, you know, insecurity or con- concern in terms of, you know, obviously, you know, you're a grown man, you're, you know, are, con- you know, want to present a very professional demeanor, especially as somebody who runs their own business and is the literally the face of their business, right? With the photography, now it's obviously shifted. But do you feel like you've overcome that? Do you feel like you still have pangs of, Ugh, how does this come across? Or are you across the threshold? I'm better than I would say I was earlier this year. I went through a couple of times where I, I considered quitting. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my following are actually super positive, mm-hmm. which helps. But you always, no matter what you do, you always are going to have that message come through through the with from a hater yep. that just tries to tear you down. And mm-hmm. it's so it's interesting. You can get a hundred positive comments, but for some reason, your mind focuses on that one negative one. Yeah. And uh, I went through a couple times where I'm like, ah, oh, to my wife Bailey, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, but now I think I've gotten to the point where I I am confident that. Um, I, I, for most people am resonating, am resonating with them and bringing some joy and some happiness and giving some laughs to people. And knowing that that is true helps me to not worry about the negativity that might come through. It's so, it's such an, it's such an interesting concept because this this is, I've heard this from nearly every influencer I've ever spoken with, right? The vast majority, they, they have big followings. So people like them, right? They like the content that they put out, right? There's not as much hate following as people might think, right? Um, usually those are lurkers, actually. Not, you know, folks who are like actively following because they're, you know, for some reason or another, like, oh, I don't want to give them the follow. Um, and so you have just a ton of outpouring of affection. And there's a 0.1% of angry people, hits them at the wrong time. But that's the stuff that sticks with you. What What is it that helps you get beyond that? What helped you kind of understand and put it in perspective? Because it's hard when it's so personal. Yeah, I would say my purpose in what I do gets me beyond it. My purpose in making a difference in people's lives. My purpose, I get a lot of comments from people saying, hey, I have been going through some really dark times and I watched your video today and it lifted my spirits. Mm. And when I see feedback like that, Mm -hmm. the negativity just doesn't, it doesn't have weight anymore. Yeah. Um, Just the comments like that are just so much more valuable. They add so much more than the negativity takes away. And so the balancing of, when I think about the balancing of scales, it just is so much worth, it's still so worth doing what I do. Right. That's incredible. Um, Yeah. So I'd say that is, I'd I'd say that is the main reason. Um, Mm -hmm. Focusing on the impact that you're having, the positive impact, and that far outweighs, you know, the negative. Yeah. And very simply, like, I think Tony Robbins said, where, like, where your thoughts go, your energy flows, basically. Uh, mm -hmm. Um, So if you think, and focus on the positive things of life, that Mm -hmm. is the type of energy and the feelings that you're going to feel. And if you focus on the negative, then those are the feelings you're going to feel as well. And they're probably the feelings that you're going to bring to other people as well. 
Mm-hmm. If yeah. you know, if that if that's what's flowing out of you, we talk a lot about authenticity and making sure that you love what you do, because it comes through to your audience if it, if they don't, right? And so if you're yeah. projecting positivity, um, that's what your audience is going to feel, and they'll you know hopefully have knock on effects, right? Because if you can make someone feel good, they'll probably make someone else feel good, and this has this really nice knock on effect. Yeah, and that's something I think a lot about. I think like I I really never thought that I would be that person with millions of followers, and it's it's just so. I guess, humbling to think about, um, like the, the impact that I could have if I choose to take advantage of this unique platform that I've been given. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just want to make you've been sure given that, and you've, and you've earned. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, because it's interesting, like there are a lot of videos that go viral and the, sometimes the people behind them don't get big. Right. But it's the, it's the creativity, it's the repetition, it's the, it's the constant. I mean, uh, I love watching the outtakes on your Instagram as an example. Mm, right. Thank you. And some of these things are, they are very serious athletic endeavors. This is not like it takes time, effort, timing. And, and when it's not just yourself, it's your brother or your cousin or whoever, your wife, um, you know, it, and that type of commitment, uh, not everybody has. And so, yes, like you've been given a platform, but you earned uh, the vast majority of it, I'd say. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about kind of other platforms because you started on TikTok in terms of like your massive growth, um, but you've diversified a little bit, which is something everybody talks about, making sure that you kind of have following sprinkled across a number of different platforms, not just in one place because, you know, there was talk of the TikTok ban and it looks like that's falling by the wayside as, um, you know, certain people have other things to focus on at this moment. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not too worried about it right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, putting out other fires or uh, trying, you know, throwing a tantrum, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, you know, w- what was your strategy? You got big on TikTok, but you also had an Instagram that prior to January was largely just personal photography, things like that. How do you think about the the diversification of your platforms? Yeah, for sure. Um well, I've been into investing, like financial investing for a while. And one of the things in the investing world is um, they talk a lot about diversification. And the reason you want to diversify is that if one of your investments fails, you still are covered from your other investments. And that's so, so that's been something I've thought about with my social media platform platforms, um, specifically TikTok, like you had mentioned, there have been talk of it disappearing and being banned. And um, so as a result of that, I have, I did start to put some energy into Instagram and YouTube and um, Facebook, not so much Twitter yet. I still need to think about my Twitter strategy. Um, But TikTok is definitely my main focus. I usually make videos for uh, the purpose of putting them on TikTok. And then based upon how well they do on there, um, I'll post them on Instagram and YouTube. Um, Instagram, my focus is to create um, like the reels, like because they just um, released the reel feature. But I want to make Instagram um, a place that people want to come outside of TikTok to see pictures. Mm-hmm. And then also to see behind the scenes, like you had mentioned. I think that Instagram with this Instagram stories is a really good place to post um, content that you don't necessarily think is 
good enough or appropriate as a permanent post, mm-hmm. um, but that you think is super valuable still to share, uh, to connect to your audience in a different way, like mm-hmm. behind the scenes or yeah. um, whatever that might be. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear you talk through the different uses of different platforms because it's not one size fits all, right? It's not just yeah. copy and paste. You have a different you have different needs. The users have different expectations on these different platforms and different things resonate with them. And obviously, Instagram tries to copy some of the magic that occurs on TikTok, but it's just a very different vibe in general. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then YouTube, I, I need to think more about where I'm going to take YouTube. Um, but obviously, YouTube is great for longer format videos. And so I'm trying to think and strategize how I might um, use YouTube for, um, where it does best. And that is longer videos. And so I'm thinking maybe I do, I could do some longer format skits in there or possibly, um, do some kind of vlogging type. I don't, I don't think I ever want to get into the, the lifestyle of a vlogger just cause I want to separate my life from my, yeah. my video creation. Um, but uh, I have a lot of ideas uh, stirring around in my mind that I think I could maybe use YouTube to separate from TikTok and Instagram. Is it fun? A couple things I want to dig in on. Do you feel like a creative release that you didn't have previously? Because it seems like you're the kind of guy who's very creative, very funny, has a lot of different ideas. I bet your wife, you and your wife have a lot of fun together. And do you feel like now being able to release this type of stuff out there gives you a creative release that maybe was missing previously? Or did you always feel like you had that in photography? Oh, man, that's a really good, that's a really good question. Totally. I, I feel so free um, because in photography, even though I love photography, I still, the bride and groom were my boss, ultimately. <laughs> that's right. And the family was my boss and the senior was my boss. Um, I did my absolute best and I was as creative as I could, but ultimately I had to stay within the restraints of what the client wanted. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I don't have clients anymore. I still have like brand deals and whatnot, but I wake up every day knowing that I have complete and full creative freedom to create whatever I want. And that is such an awesome feeling to have that freedom um, mm-hmm. that I can do whatever I want, wherever I want. Yeah. Well, there is, and there is a business aspect to this, right? Because your income was previously dependent on your photography clients. And now obviously with massive followers and people leveraging social media and influencers and particularly in their marketing budgets, how has that transition been? Because it's a very different world, right? Because for you know photography gigs you had your rates and now as an influencer you have your rates but it's a whole different ball game how's that transition been yeah it's been interesting um i honestly feel like i tried so hard in my photography business for so many years close to 10 years and i did well mm-hmm. um but i worked really hard for a certain amount where when I started my my TikTok journey, I honestly, I honestly feel like it came easy. I mean, I worked really hard, but I think that like looking back on it, I think because it all felt like play, it just was so easy for me to work hard doing it. And I think that's one thing I would tell people is like, find someone, find something that looks, that is, is play for you, but looks like work to other people. And that's something that a guy named Naval said. 
And I think that's what I found. I found something that for me is play, but for other people is really hard work. Mm-hmm. I get up and I'm, I'm able to put in, I set focus sessions. I do like timers for, for work. And so I'll set a two hour focus session. I'll start filming a video and then two and a half hours will go by and I won't even realize that my timer was done. And so that's, I get into the flow, like that concept flow, like when time just disappears, I get into that. And I think that's something I have that I didn't have as often with photography. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's you, when you find something you're passionate about and it's easy for you to do, you will work harder than anyone else. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And in terms of these ideas, let's talk about that. You have these focus sessions. Is that how you come up with the ideas as well? Or are you the kind of person who are you the kind of person who sits down and says, "All right, piece of paper, we're going to brainstorm now"? Or are you going for a walk? Something pops into your mind, you type it on your phone. How, how do you come up with these and cultivate these ideas? Yeah, I do set focus sessions. And I use an app called Forest, and uh, you basically um, set these timers that grow these little virtual trees for you, and then you can look back to see the forest that you grew. Um, <laughs> That's cool. It's yeah, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I often set, set a focus session and literally just have a thinking session on um, ideas that I can use for my next video. Sometimes I'll do it in my office. Sometimes I'll go for a walk. I found that there's something in walking that helps stimulate the mind. Um, so I really enjoy that. Um, and then a lot of my ideas happen spontaneously. Like one, one time Bailey and I, my wife, we were riding our bikes and I, uh, down a bike path and this guy like just hops out of my way. And I thought <laughs> that's a really funny way that that guy moved out of my way while I was riding this bike. Mm-hmm. And, um, so like, I think the next day I, um, Bailey and I went to film how different people react to you passing them on a bike. Yep. So some people they'll like, they won't move at all. Another person will jump quickly. Um, the old man will just like wave his hand back, but now look. And it it got like, I don't know what it's up to, 20, 30 million views. And it's just mm-hmm. like those simple ideas that happen spontaneously sometimes end up being the best ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another way. And then honestly, I would say one of the best ways that I come up with ideas is from my followers, reading the comments. Interesting. Oh. Yeah, I get so many awesome ideas from my followers. And uh, it's it's just, sometimes they're so random, but sometimes they end up being like my favorite ideas. And people are always like, where do you get all your ideas from? (laughs) And I'm like, from you guys. Um, And sometimes I'll go, if I have like a concept um, inside my mind, I will go live on TikTok and ask for ideas. Like, hey guys, I'm doing another video on how, on what it would look like if everyone did, um, if people did everything aggressively, what would be some funny things for me to do aggressively? And then in a split second, I'll get like hundreds of ideas coming through. That's awesome. Um, Having an automated, almost like an automated idea machine. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I feel lucky to have that, but it's just like in two minutes I can get like hundreds of ideas and it's just, there's really Mm -hmm. not a better way of doing it. 
That's awesome. Well, the you know, the videos that you've produced are just amazing. Everybody, I'm sure, has their favorites. But I want to talk beyond the videos about your athleticism because some of the things you do are pretty incredible, not just from a raw athleticism standpoint, but also just the incredible balance and coordination that comes with some of the things that you've been able to do. So, I mean, at a very basic level, do you have a background in athletics? So I've always been a runner. Um, mm-hmm. I've been running two, probably two, three plus times a week, every week since I was in middle school. Oh, wow. And I'm, and I'm 33 right now. And so that's mm-hmm. just been a lifestyle. I ran competitively in uh, junior high, high school, and a little bit in college as well. I've always been consistent with working out. It's just, it's honestly, it's just something I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um, like today, I, I don't even really do it so much for the health reasons as I do, because I guess they call it the runner's high. Like I'm, you know, two, three in the afternoon, I'm just tired of sitting in my office. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I go out and have a run and it just honestly feels really good to me. Um, So there's that. I did a little gymnastics in- I was going to say, there's got to be some plyometrics in there because that hopping video, (laughs) I'm I'm going to pause for a moment. One of the, the cool, like- really surprised me was you if people hopped instead of walked and you hopped up onto your counter opened the cabinet grabbed (laughs) the glass and hopped back down in like this one fluid motion i was i watched it like three or four times and i was just thinking to myself this has got to be stitched together how the hell did he do that (laughs) because i was going to say like you're running but there's got to be some plyometrics in there somewhere so gymnastics well, I must say that that wasn't the first take. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course not, but still, the fact that you could get it was incredible. Yeah, I yeah. So I did do a little gymnastics, um, but honestly, I like I'm not. A lot of people think the stuff I do are impressive, but I honestly, I've seen guys like some of those parkour guys are just nuts. I wish that I had more skills. Like I wish that I could do <laughs> front flips and back flips and no handed cartwheels. Like I think that. If I were to learn some of those skills, I could even take my videos to the next level. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's funny that you bring that up because I think that um, with my comedy brand, I am trying to blend that with fitness. I think that mm. fitness comedy is something unique that I have that maybe has helped me to stand out um, mm-hmm. in ways that um, other people don't. Yeah. Fitness, comedy, and photography. There's that one photo that you've put out. I think it was Gymshark, if I'm not mistaken. Was it? I'm getting the brand wrong. It's where you're doing the midair running pose in the blue sweatsuit. Um, oh yeah, that was um that was a picture to actually mm-hmm. for a brand deal that I did with Champ Sports. Champ Sports. That was yeah. it. That is an incredible photo. Um, it. It just, you know, it's one of these things where you look and you make it look so easy. You can forget sometimes what you're doing. Like when you hopped up on the counter, that counter has got to be what, four, four and a half feet high? Probably around there. And yeah, I yeah. think it's one of the things that I'm always very particular in my videos is that it's got to look like, because I do these what if scenarios. What if people hopped instead of walked? What if people sprinted instead of walked? Yeah. I always in my mind think this has to look like this guy does this normally on an everyday basis. <laughs> it has to look completely normal. And that's why I always have the straight face. Like people always comment on my straight faces. Well, I'm like, it's a straight face because I'm trying to act like it's it's nothing different than I do every day. Right, right. It's, it's just, this is just the way I normally live. 
And I think that's one of the things that makes it so impressive because like you'd understand if somebody was exerting and, you know, like sweating and like had this grimace on their face while they're trying to achieve some athletic feat. And meanwhile, you just got this kind of bored look on your face. Like, yeah, I'm just going about my daily routine. (laughs) Yeah. And it's really hard. I should do some of the behind the scenes, but like those sprinting videos, I like sprint up all out through the hallway and then slow down to grab a a cup of coffee with a straight face with my mouth, like barely open. Yeah. And then right after that, I'm huffing and puffing like crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was going to be my next question. What has been the hardest video to pull together? And you can, you can measure this in any way you want. Number of takes, physically demanding, uh, most intricate, most athleticism. Like for you, when I say hardest, what's the one skit or a video that comes to mind? I think my cartoon videos, whenever I think about making (laughs) another cartoon video, I'm like, okay, this is going to take a while and this is going to be hard. Because cartoons do things that are impossible to do in real life. Right. (laughs) And so to do some of the moves are just um, very difficult or just painful. Yeah. Um, So I would say the cartoon videos are probably the hardest. I definitely have to do like cuts to do some of those impossible moves. Mm -hmm. Um, The sprinting videos are, are hard just because... I have to do so many takes. I mean, (laughs) a lot of the videos are 30 seconds long, but what people don't realize is that for that two second scene, I did it 15 times in a row to get the right one. Right. right. And so I'm sprinting. There was one clip from my last rush video where I'm sprinting down the hallway and I'm throwing a jacket into the closet and making it land like on the, the, the rack. Yeah. And I I had to do that scene probably like 20 times before it finally landed right. Right. Like, cause I had the hanger on the jacket. And so I wanted the hanger to to land on the rack. And, um, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. It's, it's funny that even the, the, just the little intricacies that you have to make, you know, land perfectly can cause you to do another take and another take. And, um, have you had any injuries? Any, any videos that uh, you, you uh, sustained an injury or a bump or a bruise or a cut lip or anything like that? A cut lip. I just, that just happened, I think, yesterday, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, for the longest time, I, people used to ask me, like, don't you get hurt doing your videos? And for the longest time, I had done pretty well. But for some reason, the last, like, three months, like, I, I feel a little pain in my uh, left finger. My right wrist has bothered me a little bit. My knee is hurting a little bit. Um, <laughs> and then my shoulder is, is bothering yeah. me too. Um, so they're, all, they're all very minor. Um, the, the one that's bothering me the most is from my floating video, the scene where I'm yeah. floating as I'm mowing the lawn. Oh, geez. And if you've, if you've seen that, what I had to do is sprint with the lawnmower and jump up as high as I could so that my hands were pushing the lawnmower, but my feet were lifted up behind me so it looked like I was right. floating. What people don't realize, because I cut the scene, is that after I landed, I went straight down to the ground, crushing my fingers in between the ground and the lawnmower bar. And oh, so yeah. things like that, you know, just usually my highlights. But, yeah, we get the highlights. Yeah. And meanwhile, behind the scenes, you're bandaged and bruised and icing something. 
Oh, man. But, you know, it's that commitment that uh, has brought you to the place you are today. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a, a lot of like, a lot of nuances are are hard to get right to. Like in my aggressive videos, I, I will often do a scene over and over again because I that last little head whip just didn't <laughs> didn't look right. And so I'll yeah. do it again and again and again and again. And, yeah. and I also often um, sprain something doing those moves as well. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, a lot of whiplash and, and whatnot. Do you, have you had any videos that got cut because what you were doing was overreaching. You're like, oh, I'm going to do this. You create a plan and then you get to it and you're like, uh, maybe this isn't a good idea. I do value my life. Or, <laughs> you, you know, like something along those lines, you ever have to cut a video because of that? Yeah, that happens a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was doing a scene where I was filming everything in reverse to do like impossible things. Like, mm -hmm. so there's one of me um, like stepping on a can, like a, a can that's false. And so like in reverse, it looks like I'm like float, like the can goes from crushed to non-crushed and then I drink it in reverse. Okay. Um, and so what basically all that to say, I wanted to do a scene where I was jumping on the roof. And so okay. in order to jump on the roof, I had to be on the roof and jump off the roof backwards and land right. on the ground. Yeah. And so I got on the roof and I was kind of like thinking about it and I'm like, no way. There's no way I can do this <laughs> without hurting myself really bad because I can't, like, I need to see the ground before I jump on it. And so, yeah, that was, um, that was one that I decided not to do. There was another one where I wanted to float over the counter into the kitchen. And so I brought a mattress into the kitchen by the sink and I was about to jump over the counter and land <laughs> on the mattress in the kitchen. But just all the dynamics of the small space of the kitchen and yeah. the length of the counter just made it too impossible for me to try <laughs> or too are dangerous. There, are there ever times where uh, Bailey raises her hand and says, I don't think this is a good idea or is it your own internal uh, kind of red flag that goes up? Yeah, I usually don't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> she finds out after the I fact. Usually, I usually hide when I do the dangerous scenes. No, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> happened though. She... Yeah. Um, she definitely is skeptical at some of the things like the, and sometimes just she it's just funny some of the things that she walks into um like that mattress uh scene i was doing she literally walked home and there was a mattress in the dining room and i was about to jump off the counter onto it and so those are like <laughs> those are the kind of scenes that she walks into yeah um that's but. great are there any the other thing i'd i'd have to wonder are there any like holes in your walls like imprints from knees or feet or elbows as because you're sprinting around your house i'm sure you've lost balance i'm sure you've cut corners and you know either they're shouldered a door or, or you know how's the house holding up yeah i, sh I should probably think about a furniture budget <laughs> um yeah there's a lot of it nothing crazy um I've, I jump on the couches a lot and I've heard a couple, couple cracks. <laughs> in there. So I'm pretty sure if you were to dissect my couches, there'd be some uh, split wood in there. Okay. Um, there's a lot of scuffs on the walls and just oh, minor yeah. dents, but honestly, mostly mm -hmm. just things that I would notice. I, I try to be respectful. Um, I broke a lamp. Uh, yeah, nothing too crazy. That's good though. That's good. It sounds like you're, you're reeling it in. Uh, at least to a certain extent. I try to be respectful of my wife who so 
um, greatly decorates our house, which is funny. We get so many compliments about our house. Like, oh, I love your house. I'm like, "Uh, it's not about my house. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. It's funny the details that people glom onto, you know, but when you think about it, if you have 20, 30 million people watching something, right, you're bound to have folks noticing, uh, you know, this, that, or the other thing, whatever it might be. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. The things, there will literally be, not be one thing that will go unnoticed. Like there was one video I posted where someone pointed out that it looked like the Mona Lisa was in the reflection of the window behind me. Like, just <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> I would have never noticed that. You watch this more closely than I do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh my God. That's great. Well, let's, let's change gears a little bit here, really in awe of your athleticism, but also you probably have learned a lot in the last 12 months. Um, or I guess, I guess at this point it's 11 months. Um, you know, since you've kind of gained traction on social media, a lot of life changes too, as you kind of prioritize one business over the other, you're launching a merch line here in in very short order. So what are some of the key lessons that you've kind of learned since you've gained traction on TikTok? Yeah. Be yourself. I mean, like truly be yourself. And uh, when you stick to being yourself, you will be so you will be someone who no one else can be. And when you're someone that no one else can be, you're going to stand out and you're going to draw attention and uh, people will love you for it. I think that so many people try to fit in and they try to follow the trends and they try to be like everyone else denying their true inner being, denying that beauty um, that they could be sharing with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that is one of my biggest lessons. Um, and it's like we were talking about earlier, it's, it's a struggle because when you are yourself, you, you do stand out and you do draw attention, uh, both the good attention and sometimes the bad yeah. um, attention. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, it's funny. People talk about, you know, the the trends you need to be following and the tips and the tricks to to get a lot of views and to get a lot of likes and comments. And I honestly, I almost never pay attention to what is trending. Um, and that's I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think that it's it's great to be inspired and it's great to see what other people are doing to succeed and to model after them. But you can't ever forget about what is true, truly unique about you. Um, Because the more you lean into your uniqueness, the more rare you become and the less competition you have as a result. Um, So yeah, be inspired by others, but be yourself while doing it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great advice. And not only is it great advice because of what you said, like you become so much more unique every time you lean in further to who you are, but also it will allow you to to produce better content, whatever that is, or produce, you know, whether it's, you know, skits, whether it's photography, whether it's art, you know, whether it's a podcast, but the further you lean in, um, the better you'll be at it because it's it'll be authentically you and also... Uh, it'll be easier to get up in the morning and do it because you love it and it is who you are. It's part of you, not some masquerade that you're running to try to fool everybody to think that you're this, that, or the other thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you, you're you going to be the absolute best at being yourself, like you said, you're, gonna, <laughs> you're going to be good at being yourself. Yeah. And you'll have no competition either because nobody else can do that. Um, but w- and when you think about taking this success and funneling it into your the next phase of your life, because obviously, 
getting big on Instagram or TikTok or one of these platforms is one thing, but then, you know, taking that and creating a longer term business or creating, you know, a way where you can shift away and only and only really take on specific photography clients, you know, how do you hope to take that success and use it um, in this next phase of your life, whether it's to double down on, on this, whether it's to grow your photography business, you know, or do something completely different. Yeah, well, I think photography is going to become more of a hobby. Um, I really do enjoy it, but I, I think that I've had a great run with it. Um, but I think I, I would prefer to shoot only, you know, what I enjoy shooting instead of um, being forced in a sense to shoot. <laughs> Instead for, of having all those bosses. Yeah. For the, the bosses of the world, which are fine. I mean, I've, I've had, I have great clients and I've really enjoyed my time and I'll, I'll always miss like the weddings um, that I've shot, but I think I see myself moving a little bit more away from that as a profession and more into uh, the content creation. <clears throat> so for the, for, for the short term, um, I plan on keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I, I think I'm still in the building phase um, of, of my audience. Um, but I do definitely still have that, um, entrepreneur in me, um, that business mindset. And as a result, I could definitely see myself, um, coming up with a product or service that I feel like my audience would resonate with, um, possibly starting a podcast, possibly writing a book. Um, I just, again, I feel like I have these millions of potential listeners and readers and people who would be interested in um, mm -hmm. what I have to offer. And so I just, I want to take advantage of that in the best way I can. Mm -hmm. And um, it sounds like you're taking your time and thinking it through. You seem to be very methodical in how you approach these things, which I think is quite healthy given how quickly things happen and how uh, much information we're bombarded with on, an, you know, every single day. Yeah. And I, I really do, apart from like the business side of things, I really do, like I mentioned before, want to use my platform to be a change for the world, for the good. I want to spread, I want to make grace, truth, and love more popular. Mm -hmm. I, there's just, there's so much hate and uh, negativity and um, in the world that I just want to be a part. I want to be one of the bigger influencers that is um, a part of destroying that and spreading love instead. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, I, I think that as someone who has a big following, I want to I wanna really make it clear that it really isn't as cool as you'd think it would be. Like to, to be, to be famous. I don't even know if I consider myself famous, but to, to be well-known, like it's, it, it doesn't, it won't fulfill you. So for people who are looking for that fame, um, it, it, it doesn't fully satisfy. And mm -hmm. I want to share with people that it really is about relationships. It's about people. And mm -hmm. for me as a Christian, it's about God and relationships are where it's at. If you truly focus on building relationships and investing in people, you are going to live your best life. And I think mm -hmm. that people get so distracted by things that just leave you empty, whether it's money or fame or, um, likes, views, <laughs> likes, views. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
Um, and, and ultimately, it's most of that stuff is rooted in pride. You yeah, know, people people are doing these things to make themselves look better. Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's something that mm-hmm. um, I want to be is, a part of sharing. Which is interesting, right? Because you had to let your pride go to make these videos. Right. Yeah. And oftentimes the best way to build what it is, what your pride wants you to build is letting go of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting, interesting kind of dichotomy. Um, well, I think that's a really wonderful kind of place to put your heart and your mind and your efforts. Certainly something that we could use a lot more of these days on these social platforms because they're just a lot of people chasing fame, like you said. And uh, it leaves a lot of people empty, not only the folks who never get there, but also the folks who do get there. Um, and it's, it's nice to have kind of a real authentic view into what it's like and, um, you know, where value comes from. And I talk to influencers all the time, big and small. And uh, one of the biggest things they say they've gotten out of being a creator is meeting other folks and learning from them, mm-hmm. right? The, the relationships they've developed, not yeah. only with their audience, but with other creators. Uh, and so I think that's really valuable and a very healthy way to approach it, especially for something that's been so quick, you know, in terms of its onset, right? I mean, going from, you know, a small town in Wisconsin, shout out to the Wisconsinites out there, um, you know, to, uh, you know, having, you know, tens of millions of people follow you from all over the world. It can be quite shocking if you don't kind of have your, your head in the right place. Yeah. So, and it sounds like you do. And, and on that note, would you have any other advice for people who are looking to use social media to kind of help them with the business or help them grow, whether it's, you know, a personal being a, being an influencer or just like, Hey, I'm an accountant. I want to, you know, cultivate an audience that will kind of rely on me and I can generate business from that. Yeah. I get people asking me, um, quite a, um, quite a bit, like, what's your advice on growing, you know, getting a lot of views on your TikTok or your reels (laughs) and funny be me. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) And, and exactly. But really though, um, that to be yourself, of course, but focus on others and not yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Be selfless in your content. Don't try to get likes. Try to give feelings. Mm. If you can get someone to feel a feeling, they're going to share it with someone else. And so I think I think that people complicate the whole social media game too much. They, fo- they focus on all these busy things instead of focusing on the one thing. What's the one thing that you can do that if you were to do it, it would make everything else easier or not necessary at all? And so... For me, usually the one thing when I wake up is to make a a great video. You yeah. know, I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. I, I think that my advice for people is to produce good, selfless content that is going to make someone feel a feeling, preferably a good feeling. But unfortunately, <laughs> some of the sometimes a negative feeling can cause people to want to share it too. I don't recommend doing it that way. But if you can get someone to feel a feeling, um, then you're going to win. That's awesome. Well, Daniel, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on Influencer Business. Where can people find you online? Yeah, I mean, obviously, TikTok, Daniel.Labelle, um, Instagram, Daniel Labelle one YouTube, search Daniel Labelle. Just search Daniel Labelle in Google, and I'm sure you'll, you'll find <laughs> what you need to find. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Influencer Business. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Another big thank you to Daniel for joining us today in Influencer Business. Just a wonderful conversation with a great person. If you're not already doing so, make sure you follow him. 
TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, all the platforms. He puts out amazing content. You certainly will not be disappointed. Before I let you go, though, I wanted to talk about a couple of different things that we discussed with Daniel first. This idea of being selfless with your content, a really wonderful way to flip things on its head and not think about necessarily what you're getting, what you can get, the likes, the comments, the the adoration, the engagement, but instead, what can you give? Because by thinking about what you can give and how you can make people feel, you'll be able to create this virtuous cycle where people come back, they share your content, and you develop fans for life. I think that's a really wonderful way to think about it and appreciate Daniel sharing that with us. And the last thing I'll say is something that Daniel mentioned, but has really been a consistent theme throughout this whole podcast, every episode basically, but it's be yourself. It's incredibly hard sometimes, and it can feel a little bit like you're competing with everybody's highlight reel. But the reality is a facade is incredibly difficult to maintain over the long haul. And it's really hard to connect with your followers on a deeper level if you're pretending to be something that you're not. So really focus on being yourself, and that will have a much greater return in the long run, no matter what you're doing. So again, big thank you to Daniel for joining us today in Influencer Business. Thank you for joining us. And again, one more plug, if you like what you hear on the podcast, big shout out to Pete Crimi and the team over at SoundLaunch for always making us sound better over the podcast than we do in person. Thanks again for joining us today in Influencer Business. I'm your host, Rich Gudelari, and we'll see you next time.